Welcome into A to Z Sports Prime Time on a Wednesday night. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. That is where you go for exceptional customer service since 1983, nearly 40 years in the business at Two Rivers Ford or online at tworiversford.com. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. That is how you get things going. Um, That's how you get in on all the action on things like NBA playoff games, MLB. Uh, if you're still paying attention to the NHL, you can bet on that too. Promo code A to Z Sports allows you to do so in the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. The Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage at GaryAshton.com. That is where you go for your dream address without the stress. That is where you go for the official real estate agent of all your favorite pro sports teams and your favorite streaming sports talk show. Brimac Mechanical will get you in your comfort zone as the seasons begin to change. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brimac.com. Satisfaction guaranteed on all, each and every one of your HVAC needs. Uh, So it seems for, for whatever reason, uh, things are slow to start on Facebook Live. Reed, I'm not sure. Producer Reed, I'm not sure what's going on with the Facebook crowd, but it appears that it did not send out a notification to our people. So, Reed, uh, just keep in mind, I'm, I'm, we're, we're live producing the show before we get things going. Reed, just keep in mind uh, that we'll need you to share those into groups, just as all of our friends have shared this show. Uh, and hopefully we'll see. hopefully we'll see the notification pop up. I don't know why it's not doing that. But anyway, let's not get bogged down. So. Uh, El Boogie 808, before we get into this, so it's the last it's the last Titans uh, on-field practice, workout, whatever you want to call it. It's not really a practice. It's a it's minicamp, but it's treated as a as a practice, basically. 11 on 11, 7 on 7, individual drills, um, all manner of field work for the team. Today was the last time that we will see them out there until everybody comes back in July. So we're going to get into, uh, we talked to the coordinators by the way, we will hear from Mike Vrabel first. He will, So he's scheduled to speak to the Nashville media at 12.30. But you know where he's going to pop up first? On my radio show at 11.30 a.m. Central Time. So you're not going to want to miss that. Make sure you turn, tune in. The head coach is going to take some time out of his schedule to join the radio show first and then meet with the media afterwards. So we'll get first crack at all the good stuff for the people. Um, El Boogie 808 wants to know, am I going on vacation next week or not? So, uh, you know, I we don't like, we don't got to get into this because we want to we want to spend most of the time talking on the Titans. But, um, yeah, I'm gonna have some vacation coming up uh, for the summer. I've got about I got about uh, what a, a week that I'm gonna take inter- interspersed throughout the next handful of uh, throughout the next handful of weeks. So I'll be I'll be in and out on radio and on the primetime show uh, because, you know, the NFL goes on summer vacation. That is when I take my vacation outside of the bye week. So we will keep you uh, informed on all of the things going on there. But for me, I will say to you, uh, I will say to you that we are going to get into some Titans uh, topics in the meantime because that is something that is of the utmost importance at this point. We spoke to the coordinators. First to Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator, and then the Shane Bowen. But Todd, uh, Todd's media availability kind of left a bigger impression on me. So I want to ask you guys a question. What is the most important part of the Titans offense? Let me know in the comments section on Facebook Live, Periscope, YouTube, and Twitch. I'd be curious to see your answer because I know there's a handful of different uh, a handful of different ways that you can go with this now that the Titans have all manner of new toys to play with. Let me know in the comment section across all four of these streaming platforms what you think, what the most important part of the Titans offense is. Give me your answer in the comment section. We will uh, we will dive in deep and you will hear from Todd Downing momentarily uh, over the course of this evening. But first, I got to remind you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Your Two Rivers Ford take is to tell me what's the most important part of the offense. Two Rivers Ford, in the meantime, will make sure that they listen to the most important part of your needs when searching for a new or pre-owned vehicle. Because not only is it the best place to buy a new car, it's the best place to get a used vehicle 
as well. You know why? Because it comes with Ford Blue Advantage, which means that their pre-owned vehicles have been fully inspected. They come with a warranty and they have 24-7 roadside assistance just for that extra peace of mind. So if you're looking for a used car, truck, or SUV, go see my friends at Two Rivers Ford. They're in Mount Juliet, just seven miles east of BNA. They'll hook you up with the right vehicle for you or do your window shopping online at tworiversford.com. You can go through the entire car purchasing process online if you so choose. Uh, John Vargas says, what's going on, everyone? Buck, today is my birthday, y'all. Well, happy birthday, John. Uh, I wish that, I, I hope that you have something bigger planned than spending your evening with us, but I always appreciate when you guys uh, allow us to celebrate you. We don't do it often enough, so happy birthday, John. I hope uh, I hope you enjoy your day and many, uh, many returns to come. So what's the most important part of the offense for the Tennessee Titans? Because I think there's a variety of different ways you can go throughout the course of this. Josh says Derrick Henry for sure. So uh, I think that I think that this is probably going to this is going to be a popular answer without question. Understandably so. Derrick is the biggest, the baddest, uh, the best thing that your offense has done largely in the last say year and a half, almost two years at this point. But with Derrick. You know, I think I, I, I'm not going to diminish Derek's importance. Derek is unlike anything that I've ever seen in the sport. But I do look at the just the, the sample size with Mariota in, in the tail end of 2018 and into the start of 2019, where Derek was fine, but he wasn't anything special with a quarterback that was less than. Things dramatically changed for this man. Really, really in the New England Patriots game in that 2018 season after David Flewellen got hurt because they finally kicked his ass into gear. But then heading into 2019, you know, things were kind of up in the air. There was talk about, I mean, there was, Derrick Henry was on the trading block. So there were issues, there were issues with how to get him going when nobody feared your passing game. Now you have the benefit of people fearing your passing game. It is quite deadly at this point. And so Derrick Henry can eat. As a result, but to say that he's the most important part, I don't know that I necessarily would go that direction, even as I understand his importance and his impact. Farsender says the offensive line, uh, a big uh, Kevin Trumbull on Facebook Live agrees. Puka, actually, there's a lot of love for the O-line, which is which is interesting to me. I did not think a lot of people would go that direction. Puka says the O-line, Lewis Duff, Duffelfield agrees. Uh, Gavin says you're not live on, on Facebook. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Hey, Reed, let, let Austin and Zach know what's going on with the Facebook situation because that's unfortunate. We got good numbers tonight, but uh, for some reason, Facebook is being uh, being uncooperative, but that's okay. Um, you know, the, 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 the best people will find us, and that, that I appreciate. The, the people are going to show up either way. But what I would say to you is, is the offensive line is an interesting conversation, right? Because you have a, a hole a little bit at right tackle. You got a good competition going on there between Kendall Lamb. We Ty Sambrello is not out on the field yet, so you would assume that he's still working back from rehabilitating his injuries. Um, and then for me, you, I, I really, I really, really like what Dylan Radens has to offer, the second round pick at a North Dakota State. Now he's been seeing some work at guard too, which is an interesting. Uh, an interesting look, but right now the competition at right tackle is strongest between him, Raidens, and the uh, the free agency acquisition, the free agent acquisition from the Cleveland Browns, Kendall Lamb. I think you're going to see Kendall Lamb probably to start the season, and then we'll see Raidens as things progress. But you know he could he could uh, he could take a big step forward at some point in training camp, and we could see him start out the gate. It's it's unclear right now. But the offensive line, you know, it, it helps Derrick Henry. It helps Ryan Tannehill. I mean, hell, when Lawan was as a, a part of that lineup, people weren't sniffing Ryan Tannehill. It was one of the best offensive lines in football in terms of pass protection. They just simply were not giving up sacks. And it helps that Ryan Tannehill hangs in the pocket and delivers the ball even when he's under pressure. It's a big part of that conversation, too. Um, the offensive line is critical. But there are many there are many things I think that you look at. It's 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 a good problem to have, right? The fact that we have so many different options, so many different directions that we can go through the course of this thing to pick from. The Titans' offense is in a good spot, a much better spot than it was even two weeks ago. Amy says Tannehill and health. Uh, Puka says always start with the offensive line, and I think when you're building a team, 
That's true. You want to start up front. A uh, lot of love for the offensive line. Okay, I like to see it. Matt Mann gives a good answer. Play action has been uh, so critical to the success of this team. That's probably the thing that Arthur Smith figured out best is how to maximize Tannehill in the passing game, Derrick Henry. Because of Derrick Henry, because of Derrick Henry's threat in the running game, uh, the play action is uh, is is a knife through hot butter at this point, or a hot knife through butter, I guess is probably the is probably how the saying goes. But it's it it holds true no matter what. Derek is such a threat on the ground, then teams will sell out to stop him that it opens up so much down the field when people sell out before the play action pass. So I like that action of play action a lot. But ultimately the thing that I come back to, because if we're talking importance, if we're talking importance I think it's it's the person responsible for making all of the parts work properly. You're gonna you're gonna get a, a degree of success because of pure talent alone. This is a, a hugely talented offense with Julio and AJ and Derek and, and Tannehill, an offensive line that is supremely stout. You know, maybe lacking a little bit at the tight end position. Uh, Ferks are I, I, I small sample size, but we'll see we'll see how things change. Now that he uh, he appears to be positioned for a larger role in this offense, I don't think they're done at the tight end position. But you know, at this point, Ferkser is who they have. So you look at all of those things, but I think ultimately it's the person responsible for pulling the trigger on a lot of this, and that's Todd Downing. We spoke to Todd Downing today. Again, I, maybe I should have phrased this as the most impactful part of the Titans' offense. Because I think Todd Downing's ability to help these guys succeed by putting them in the best position is going to dictate how a lot of this season goes. You know, I'll, I'll leave it to you to call it a Todd Downing offense. This is a Tennessee Titans offense. And, you know, I want this to be the most effective offense uh, for helping us win football games. And whatever that means week to week, you know, it'll, it'll adjust. Uh, my vision for this offense is simply that we are, you know, a disciplined, high effort, high energy a you know, sound football team, and that we go out and, and help our team win ball games by not doing stuff to get ourselves beat. And uh, the rest of it's going to fall into place. As I said, it turns into a week by week thing. But this certainly isn't a Todd Downing offense, it's a Tennessee Titans offense. So it's certainly not a Todd Downing offense, he said. It's a Tennessee Titans offense, which is which is a, a good worldview, right? Like, you know, we, we talk about the Arthur Smith offense or the Sean McVay offense, the um, the Kyle Shanahan offense, right? It's not it's not conceptual. It's about the people who are calling the plays, whereas, you know, largely the, the vast majority of the league is running the same kind of principles, the same kind of concepts. They're, you know, they're 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 running the West Coast offense offense or something of the like. And then we're just assigning the name of the coordinator to it. So I think Todd Downing. Uh, made made a good point there in saying, you know, this is not my offense. This is the Titans' offense, and the Titans' offense is how we how how we formulate the Titans' offense is how we put people in the best position to succeed. El Boogie says, I'm not worried about it uh, on the offensive side of the ball. It's the defense that will probably keep me up at night come September. You know, I uh, I I go I go back and forth on this to be honest with you, but. I think that the defense can only get better from what it was. I mean, it may take a little dip in terms of turnover differential, but the defense is only going to improve um, because, you know, they hit, they were literally uh, bottoming out last year in a way that sucked. I mean, it was really, you know, if you're a Titans fan, it was really, really unfortunate. Now for me, I'm looking for, I, I spent my days looking for different memes and gifts that I could use to describe the ineptitude of the Titans defense, which was at least entertaining for me. And it was, I mean, it was almost comedic to watch from the press box, just be like, all right, third and 11, they've got Matt Stafford in a really good position. Oh, it's going to take them seven seconds to get anywhere close to him. And he's going to be able to convert that third down. Honestly, they ended up, I, and I don't have the percentages on this. Perhaps I'll do some research on that, but how much better they were on third and like five or less than they were on third and long. It was crazy to watch all of that play out. So I look at I look at Todd Downing and I think, you know, he's got a lot at his disposal, right? They've just upgraded the wide receivers by a large margin. They've got Derrick Henry, most of the offensive line, almost all of the offensive line is returning 
in one piece. And and uh, by the way, Roger Saffold left practice early today. He looked like he uh, he uh, he something went some. I, I don't know what exactly happened to him, but I was walking back towards the offensive line and the defensive line at practice today. Back they 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 sit behind the three fields, so I walked back around to uh, to go check him out because I wanted to watch a little bit of a. Raiden's Ben Jones, um, Nate Davis, Saffold, and then Saffold ended up pulling up, uh, pulling up a little bit. Um, again, I don't know what happened to him, so I'm not going to say like pulling up lame or anything like that because I didn't see what he injured or what happened specifically. But I do know that he left practice early, so something to keep in mind. But if they if they return and and are healthy, they are a really really good unit. So. Now it's on Todd Downing because you're you're following in the footsteps, even if you're not going to consider yourself to be in the footsteps of Arthur Smith. You know, it's it uh, it's it's the Tennessee Titans offense. It's not Arthur Smith's offense. It's not Todd Downing's. It's the Titans offense, and that's how Todd's approaching it. But ultimately, um, the expectation of Todd, you guys, you guys are already downplaying. You know how good or how much better the defense can be, right? Because you your expectations are low as a result of last year. I, I think that's natural, but for me, um, Todd Downing is 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 holding the keys to your, keys to the kingdom at this point because the best thing that the Titans did last year was score points, move the ball, touchdowns, uh, rack up passing yards, rushing yards, all of these things, and then ultimately, ultimately, uh, Todd Downing is going to be looked at as okay. How are you going to how are you going to do better? Whether that's a a reasonable expectation or not, I think it's foolish to go into this year thinking that they're going to score north of 30 again on a on a game by game basis. I think that you're setting yourself up for disappointment in that regard. But if he can get somewhere close and they get a little better effort out of defense, we've had this conversation before. You want to get to a place where you don't have to score 30 points a game. You want to get to a place where you can score about 27 and cruise because you trust the strength of your defense to make stops to get off the field on third down. Something that you could not trust in last year. So uh, I, I like Downing's approach. It's beneficial that the players have worked with him. He's been around since 2019 at this point, so it's not like he's a new face, a new voice to them. He's just operating in a in a new capacity. But for me, I think that I'm looking at Todd Downing and say, okay, you're you're. They've given you a lot. Now it is incumbent upon you to utilize those gifts because Julio Jones and Derrick Henry and AJ Brown and Ryan Tannehill and this offensive line they are gifts to an offensive coordinator. How can you take advantage of those strengths that have been provided to you? Titans for Life says, yes, but to win a Super Bowl, we have to get a lot better on defense, not slightly better. I mean, here's what I'll say, Titans for Life, because I, I, you know, what do you consider a lot better, right? I, they, can't, they can't finish at the bottom of the league in, in third down conversion allowed. Um, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot survive that way. But if, you know, if they're somewhere, if they're like 20th, then I think they're in a better position to succeed. Now, you, you have to take into account that you can't you can't straight up game plan, you can't straight up game plan turnovers because they led the league in turnovers, and that was ultimately the only redeeming quality of that defense last year is that they were able to cause enough confusion without pressure to create turnovers. That was a big, big part of any kind of success that the defense had in 2020. But you can't count on those happening again. What you can count on is increased pressure, increased disruption, chaos up front, and allowing that to kind of manufacture mistakes by the offense that you're facing, mistakes by the quarterback. So, you know, if they were 24th in total defense last year, I think is is about where they finished. If they ended up top 20, uh, like 19 or 20, I think you're in a lot better place, um, even if the offense does not live up to the expectation that last year's group did. I mean, that was straight up the best offense in franchise history. It's uh, It comes around, you know, once in 22 years at this point in, in I mean, I know the whole, the, the Oilers have been around since the 1960s, but, um, you know, for the Titans era since 1998, it's the best offense that any of us have ever seen in two-tone blue. So you can't, you have to, you have to keep that in mind. But also, you know, I think it's fair to hold Todd Downing uh, responsible for maximizing the ability of all of the talent that he has at his disposal. Uh, we're going to take more of your comments. I want to know what you think the most important part of the Titans offense, more maybe maybe most impactful, most important. The, uh, those, those terms are interchangeable. 
I think. We'll continue this conversation. Uh, you're going to hear from Shane Bowen throughout the course of this show. You'll also hear from A.J. Brown momentarily. But first, I'm going to tell you about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. That is where you go for your dream address without, or excuse me, that is where you go to get in on all the action. I got ahead of myself. That is where you go for my favorite sports book, and not only my favorite sports book, but America's favorite sports book, because it's the top-rated sports book in the U.S. of A. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, plenty of instructions for new bettors, nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. Everybody that I know that has started using the DraftKings Sportsbook app with the promo code A to Z Sports is in love with it because of great offers like the ones that they are putting out for you. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code A2Z Sports when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. All you got to do for a great promotion such as that is bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. Promo code A to Z Sports for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Promo uh, must be 21 or older. Tennessee only wager paid out inside credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. Promo code A to Z Sports in the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, so you guys are asking me a handful of questions. I want to make sure that I that I get to a handful. Stacey A. Madden is uh, asking me, what am I hearing about Ertz? Uh, straight up nothing. Like, you know, I, I know that you guys come for come to me for insight and analysis as in my role as a reporter. Excuse me while I take a quick sip. But in regards to Ertz and really everybody at the tight end position, because Tommy Noble, 38 on, on Periscope, asked me, what am I hearing about or tell us more about not being done at tight end. Well, here's here's what I'll say. Okay, there are there are discussions, and and this is not uncommon. This is it's. I don't want it to sound general, but it's happening all over the league right now. NFL executives are looking at holes on their roster for the for the Titans. It's it's a not a big hole at tight end, but enough that you may look for an upgrade. Right. So they're looking around at the rest of the league, understanding that the NFL is getting ready to go on vacation. Guys aren't necessarily going to be cut over the course of the next, what, five or six weeks while we all take this break. Um, so they are anticipating that before camp, you will start to see some movement on the personnel side of things for a lot of these different teams where you might see where the Eagles are tired of waiting around for somebody to offer them something for Zach Ertz. They've been pretty entrenched in the idea that they would require draft capital. Howie Roseman has has been pretty pretty outright in saying that they are not interested in cutting the player without receiving some kind of value. Because I do think he still has some value at this stage in his career. But what the rest of the NFL knows is that they have to get rid of his contract at some point. So they're just kind of playing this wait-and-see game, like the Falcons with Julio Jones, where the market is not there. The market is not there for Zach Ertz. So everybody is kind of sitting on their hands and being like, all right, Philly, your move. Go ahead. Cut him. Nobody else is going to trade for him. You're not seeing any offers. We're talking to our colleagues around the league. They're not making any offers. It's it's in the same way that nobody was really desperate for a top-end wide receiver. There's a bunch of good tight ends around the league right now. So the market is not crazy high for the services of somebody uh, who's the age of Zach Ertz and who has dealt with uh, injuries like Zach Ertz has. And also has the contract, the salary cap it. Because if the Titans were to add Zach Ertz, they would have to go through some more financial gymnastics like restructuring Ryan Tannehill in order to make room for Julio Jones, uh, such as they did. So, you know, there's no real movement on it is what I'm trying to say. But what I will say to you is in the in the weeks leading up to the Julio Jones trade, and this, you know, this is based on conversations and just, just general observances uh, while I'm at the facility. In the, in the weeks before they traded for Julio, the only people hovering over the wide receiver position and group during their individual workouts, more than the media, was John Robinson. I'm noticing John at the tight ends now during practice, now that Julio is here, now that the wide receiver um, holes have been filled, for lack of a better term, I see John spending as much time with the tight ends 
as he was with the wide receivers early in the season. In fact, he was throwing them passes today. He was hovering over them. I actually took a lot of good film of uh, I, I, you know, I, I probably should have thought to throw throw up some of those highlights from practice today for you guys to watch because I took a, a bunch of good stuff from the back of the end zone. You know, standing kind of behind John while he was throwing the tight ends passes, so you could get a look at a lot of these guys. Um, but in the same way that he was being, he was. He he. There was a lot of scrutiny from him, from John Robinson, about the wide receivers prior to the Julio trade. I'm seeing, I'm noticing that same pattern of behavior from him out on the practice field, hovering around the tight ends during individual drills, and uh, and and while they are while they are you know with their position coach at this point. So I, they are they are looking for options. The question is, what will the options be available to them? that they don't have to go through a lot of heavy lifting to get. I think if you if you held them if you held them to it and said, you know, roll roll with these dudes or nobody else uh for the rest of the year, they would they would find a way to make Ferkser and Swaim and Tommy Hudson and maybe Jared Pinkney work. Jared Pinkney who this is the first time he's shown up by the way and I have not been terribly impressed with Jared Pinkney and the, and the basketball player from from St. Louis University uh you know, maybe he makes the practice squad, but this dude is, and it's not his fault, right? He never played college, never played college football, and they just dropped him in the middle of an NFL practice. So, what the hell is he supposed to do? But um, the the basketball player turned tight end is is not ready to contribute in any kind of meaningful way. So maybe you stash him on the practice squad uh, and roll that way. But don't don't think that they're complacent at tight end because I'm hearing that they are interested in acquiring more players of that position because they just haven't seen quite enough from the guys that they have so far. It's early. Kenston says, it's crazy y'all can't wrap around, wrap uh, your head around the fact that Ferk is tight end one this year. No, Kenston, I mean, I, there's it's not crazy at all. In fact, Kenston, I, I think if you went and watched practice with me, now unfortunately you guys won't be able to watch practice with me because the facility is still under construction and, and they're, they don't have plans at this point to bring you guys in. Um, bring you guys in for training camp, unfortunately, like they might do in a, in a normal year. Um, given that it's tough enough to get like us and the football players and the coaches and the equipment staff and the PR people and the marketing people, like it's tough, it's tough enough to get us in and out of the facility. Um, so right now their plan is not to have fans in attendance at training camp. And there would only be two opportunities for fans to do that because of course the second week, of training camp there will be in Tampa Bay. Well, we'll all be in Tampa Bay. I'll be in Tampa Bay. We'll be doing prime time from Tampa Bay. So hopefully I get a nice hotel. And we'll, you know, maybe on the bay, maybe we'll have a nice backdrop. But um long story short, if you were out there to watch this with us, Kenston, it it wouldn't be crazy to you at all. You know, I I I and I you guys can only take me at my word on that. Um but you know I'm I'm the only one of us in here unless unless Tehran or PK or or Glennon, or uh, Zach Bingham was out there with me today. Uh, on on Tuesday, it was Austin. So unless unless somebody else who was out there practice with me today is is here to push back on what they saw from Ferkser, um, he just looks he looks. I don't know if it's a reaction time thing or and he's clearly changed himself physically to prepare for more inline blocking. But I and and I'd be curious to talk to him. I'd lo- I'd love to have a conversation with him and and it turns out that we got good news today from the NFL that we'll be able to have in-person interviews for those of us who are vaccinated again. So hopefully when we all come back I'll be able to talk to Ferk about this, but I I wonder if his his cuz he looks bigger from the lower half, but I think at least just from a from a general observation that it may be affecting some of his mobility um cuz he looks up he he looks just a, a half a second slow on some of these passes because Tannehill Tannehill tried to hit him a couple times to get today and they were just uh and they were just um they were just kind of it just wasn't really there at this point I don't know I, I it's been it's been like this for a couple of weeks though at this point so I I think it's completely reasonable to believe Kenston that that he is not in fact tight end one that they are still looking uh for for future solutions Alex Mann says what about Delaney I mean uh Delaney's not here, so I'm not going to talk about Delaney unless Delaney's here, and it doesn't sound like Delaney's coming anytime soon, so I wouldn't be too bent of shape out of that. Um, so, Karen O'Keefe says something important that they may, I, I heard they may have a limited number of season ticket members come to practice, fingers crossed. It, it may be possible because they've got 
the, the way the new facility is set up, and then we'll move on after this, but the way the new facility is set up, they've got this like balcony that uh, a handful of people will be able to watch practice. So if they bring you guys in in a limited capacity, I would imagine that you would have to be vaccinated since we all have to be vaccinated. So that's probably how they'll they'll trim the numbers down because not everybody, of course, is, is going to be vaccinated. But um, I, I think they're looking at ways to try and salvage it. But right now, there are no plans set in stone to have people uh, to have people back at camp. Um, let's see. Jim Wyatt said, due to the construction, there would be no fans at practice, says Donovan. I, like I said, Jimmy and I are probably talking to the same people. I saw Kaharski write about this earlier this evening where it said there's uh, – let me, let me read his exact headline so I'm quoting him accurately. Um, Paul says, fan access at team headquarters expected to be very limited if available at all. So that's basically falling in line with, with what Wyatt and I have – I've heard about this, which is, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get you guys in there. Um, but you know, I, uh, I think Mike Keith also said no fans says Puka. So, um, you know, I, I fingers crossed and, and if not, you know, we'll see you guys for the games, which is vastly more important, even if you got to wait a little longer. Um, let's see if Delaney was going to probably, yeah, I don't want to get into the Delaney talk anymore. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm largely over that. I, uh, I just, there's nothing to add at this point about Delaney other than, you know, you guys miss him and you guys like him and, and you want him back. And, and, uh, I don't, I don't think that's practical at this point, but who knows? We'll keep an eye on the situation. Derek has been practicing with catching passes. What does this mean for the offense? Says Josh, nothing. He's still going to be a screen back. Um, 100%. He's, uh, he's, it's, you know, he's been, he's been practicing catching passes as long as he's been here. It's not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he, I, I know, I know Rep. Brian, I was talking to him today while we were out there, Rep. Brian of Titans radio, excuse me, quick sip. Rep. Brian of Titans radio, we we're out there watching him and, it, and he's clearly, you know, he's clearly progressed from when he first got here. Like he's leaps and bounds more natural, but he's still not, he's not a receiver. So don't, don't, you know, don't get, don't get too caught up. What they did practice a lot today was the screen game, which is something that kind of lacked from them last year. And I think that's in part due to uh, I think that's in part due to the lack of offseason because there there was this conversation with with Jeff Fisher and with Mike Vrabel about, you know, if you're going to run screen passes, you have to designate a fair amount of time to the practicing of screen passes. That's not something that they had the ability to do in the off season last year. And, and I think their, their offense, their screen game as a result kind of suffered. Like they'd pop one every once in a while, but nothing that we are accustomed to seeing. So Derek's Derek's impact is going to be Derek's impact is going to be in the screen game. If we're talking about as a receiver, uh, don't, don't get a, don't get too, don't get too caught up in the idea that you'll, you know, you'll see Derek split out wide a bunch and, and catching, you know, round, running uh, complicated route concepts. It's, it's just not what he's, you know, put him in the best position to do what he does. And that is not what he does best. Um, let's move on and let's, because you guys are sending me a lot of questions about the offense. So why don't we, why don't we spend some more time on the offense specifically? What is the Titans best unit on offense right now? We'll do this for the offense. We'll do this for the defense. Let me know in the comment section on Facebook Live, on Periscope, on YouTube, and on Twitch. We will have a lengthy discussion, I'm certain you'll hear from uh, from Shane Bowen and A.J. Brown momentarily. But first and foremost, what is the Titans' best unit on offense? Fill me in with your response in the comments section, and we will go through it together as a result here on A to Z Sports Prime Time. While you guys do that, I will tell you about our friends at Brimac Mechanical. Satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. They will put you in a position to succeed, they will get you in your comfort zone as the seasons begin to change. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. We'll have a Brymac broadcast for you on Friday to kind of put a bow on the uh, on the Titans' seas offseason. We'll go through that at length then, a little extra. Uh, you know, we won't do a full primetime show, but we'll be. I'll, I'll go out to the facility. We'll do a Brymac broadcast, and uh, it's one of the many great things that Brymac provides to you, not just satisfaction, on your commercial HVAC, but residential as well. Trust the people who do it best. That's Brimac Mechanical. Um, what's the best position group on offense right now? Um, 
Ferks, Dirk at times says, Ferks is a tight end one. Deal with it. I mean, you know, you, you, you can convince yourself of that uh, if you like. But right now, Dirk, all I can offer you is my observations at practice. And what I would tell you is that I'm observing Ferkser is not currently a tight end one. Could he develop into one uh, throughout the course of training camp? Uh, it's entirely possible. Uh, it's, you know, there are, there are significant strides that have to be made at this point. And, and, at, at, and at this time, he's not there. Could, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to completely dismiss him on June the 16th. That's not, that would not be fair to him or, or to you guys. Cause I, I understand why you like him a lot, but, um, and there's many things to like about Ferkser. I just think for what you're asking him to do as a straight up tight end one, he's not there yet. And, and, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how they, we'll see how they develop. If they have to roll with him at tight end one, then we'll see how they adapt the offense around that. Because I think it's going to look a lot different, at least from a tight end standpoint than it did last year. I don't think you're going to see as many two tight end sets. Um, Melvin Ingram is a free agent says Donovan Romaine. Um, okay, let's go through let's go through the best position groups on offense. Offense is definitely the O-line, says John Vargas. Yeah, I would understand that. Amar, Jim, and Chris on uh Amar, Jim, and Chris all say wide receiver. Uh Clayton Smith says O-line. What is the bet El Boogie 808 uh is going with the wide receiver core? Definitely. If Ferkser is number one, that makes us less intimidating when we're running, says Joe H. Again, let's let's not get too caught up in the tight end one conversation. Uh, expect them to do something. How it affects Ferkser standing with the team has yet to be seen. Okay, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't make anything more of it than that at this point. There's plenty of time to figure out the tight end rotation. Uh, can Woodside take over if Tannehill goes down? You better hope to God not. You better hope to God that it's uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Um, cause I think he's much, he's much more capable than Logan Woodside is. Um, and he's been around long enough to understand the offense at this point. Uh, Woodside is not going to be your backup quarterback that, that I'm willing to stake my reputation on that. They, they roll with Deshaun Kaiser as the second quarterback instead of Logan Woodside. It's, it's not even close really. And, and what, and, and listen, the, the, the book on Kaiser is that he practices well, and then he gets to the game and he kind of shits himself a little bit, uh, which, you know, is, is true based on. The body of work, but remember that he was the he was the second overall pick, or not the second overall pick, but he was a second round pick for the winless Cleveland Browns. Uh, that I think that was his rookie year, the year that they went 0 16. So I'm not I'm not going to judge I'm not going to judge Deshaun Kaiser by that sample size. Um, he's bounced around a little bit across the league with the Packers and then with the Raiders last year. Now spending some time on the practice squad with the Titans, we'll see if they can't kind of rehabilitate him in a way that that uh, allows allows there to be growth. Um, uh, King Henry says Mark Jones, so he's saying the running back is the best position group. D. Kelly agrees. Well, I mean, it's it's Derek. Well, and and listen, you have Derek, right? Derek, Derek above everything else, really across the board outside of Julio at this point. That I, I understand the argument in that way, but like, God forbid, God God forbid that anything happened to Derek Henry. Uh, you don't know what the hell Darrington Evans is. At this point, you just don't, and, and, and that's, and that again, it's like Ferguson, you don't know what he can be at this point. Cause you haven't seen enough of him. You haven't seen him sustain. You haven't seen him. Uh, you haven't seen him in an expanded role at this point. The, and, and there's really not going to be an expanded role for any running back behind Derrick Henry, right? Cause he is the guy that they're going to go to and they're going to give him 400 carries and he's going to rush for, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of yards. And and if all goes right in the world, then that's the guy that's going to be out there for him. But uh, to say running back is the best just because of Derek, I think neglects neglects uh, an understanding of what's behind him. the The player that they added from the Falcons at the running back position, Brian Hill, um, it, it seems he's got a little bit of he can be you know a Jeremy McNichols, and and McNichols was fine in uh, in short spurts last season, is what we'll say. Uh, did not see McNichols out there on the practice field either today, by the way, worth noting. Evans and Hill both participating um, on the practice field at mandatory minicamp today. O-line, says Juicebox, most depth and skill players. I trust Evans more than Woodside, says El Boogie 808. And and you've seen, I mean, to be frank, you've seen more of Evans than you have of Woodside. Uh, Brad Lifford says he rebukes Woodside in the name of Jesus. Running back, depth lacking. Says Puka. I mean, again, 
If Puka, I don't, I don't think we know, right? And that's why I kind of, that's why I kind of go back and forth on this and say, you know, Derek at the at the top end of it, at the top end of it, is a special, special one of a kind player. But after that, um, I'm not, I don't know what to make of the rest of them. So I'm gonna have a hard time accepting running back as the answer for the best position group on offense. Brad Benson giving some love to the offense. A lot of love for the offensive line tonight. You like to see it because those guys get a get neglected quite a bit. Um, four out of five starters will be returning. O-line, no question, says Brad. Well, I, you know, I I don't I don't think that you're wrong, but what I will say to you is uh, you know, your wide receiver depth looking a lot better with with Julio Jones on the roster. Uh Josh Reynolds, Des Fitzpatrick, um, AJ Brown, of course, whenever he makes his return to the field. If I had to put money on it right now, provided everybody stay healthy, I got to tell you guys, I'm, I'm low-key rocking with the wide receiver group right now. Uh, uh, Tannehill, when when you're working with him, when the transition was made from from Marcus to to Ryan, what what kind of what kind of stands out about him as somebody who's trying to acclimate himself to new receivers, and and how did that process look for you from from your perspective? Um, for him, it's gonna come down to making plays. You know, um, you build that trust to make the plays against defenders each and every each and every day, building that trust. And when he's in trouble, he and it starts off just him just giving you a chance, giving you an opportunity. You make the play for him, and he'll come back to you. So him building that relationship, you can run a million routes all day long, all day long, and until he can trust, until he trusts you, and he can throw you the ball in the situation, then he'll keep coming back to you. That's how that's how I feel like he built a trust. That's how he built a trust with me. So. That's A.J. Brown. Um, I asked him a question today, uh, putting your own voice for the clip tonight. Okay, Flex says El Boogie 808. Well, um, even if I would do that myself, I don't do the clips for the show. Uh, that's Producer Reed does a great job with the clips for the show, so I cannot uh, I cannot be as, self, as, as self-involved as I would normally be by saying that I did insert myself into the clip. To, uh, uh, producer Reed always does a great job of cutting the clips. And uh, and shout out to Producer Reed for uh, for giving me a little extra clout tonight. That's uh, that's okay. That's just fine. Thank you, Reed. Good job out of you. Um, but yeah, so I asked AJ initially. Uh, I asked AJ initially, so, you know, what kind of stands out about the, the players around you? Because right now, right now I'm looking, I'm looking at wide receiver and – before Julio, I would have said, "Man, you're you're in a really really difficult spot. Um, you you don't you don't know what Des Fitzpatrick is yet. Josh Reynolds is largely unproven. AJ is is great, but he is coming off of injury and he has not yet done anything on a practice field. Again, to this point, he will not have done anything on a practice field throughout the entirety of the offseason. Now, is that is that catastrophic for him heading into year three? No, I don't. I don't think that's the end of the world. I think that AJ Brown is is a pro. He understands what he needs to do, and he's been very diligent in his rehab. So when he comes back, I would expect him to be ready. But um, but with Julio, everything changes, right? Des becomes a four at best. Des Fitzpatrick in, a, in his rookie year can can have some time to feel things out. You're not having to rely on Cam Batson for meaningful snaps, and you can find different ways to work Cam into the offense and not you know and not need. Cam Batson, you know what I'm saying? That's a big part of it. Marcus Johnson, no longer uh, Marcus Johnson or Chester Rogers, two fringe roster guys at this point. You don't have to look at them and be like, okay, which is the lesser of two evils? Because we need some, we need bodies at this point who will do the least amount of damage if they're required to play snaps. Um, by the way, if we're talking, if we're having that conversation, I like Marcus Johnson a lot better than I like Chester Rogers, just based off watching them right now. And then there's Racy McMath, right? So there's a, there's a lot of different. I mean, actually, they're all they're all pretty big bodied wide receivers. Cam Batson and Mason Kinsey, who's a, an undrafted rookie from last year, um, really the only small stature uh, wide receivers at that position right now. But for me, um, you know, the wide receivers are deep on this football team. They are they can sustain injuries if they if one arises. You are not putting Des Fitzpatrick in a place where he would have to play meaningful reps um, in his rookie year. You can you can ease him into this transition. You can take a lot of pressure off Josh Reynolds, who may be able to eat with the threat of Julio Jones and AJ Brown. Um, whether he's playing on the outside, whether he's playing in the slot, whether you see, you know, it'll be matchup driven as all offenses are in the NFL right now. But this this puts you in such a such a better position. 
So I, I like the offensive line from a starter standpoint. I think they're great. Um, I think they're capable of being great up front, provided Lawan and Saffold return to return to form. But depth, depth is the thing that I'm looking most critically at because it's going to be a slog over a 17-game regular season. Injuries are going to happen across the board. Which position, and from, from my standpoint, which position is best equipped to sustain those kind of injuries that will naturally accrue because of the violence of the sport that these guys are playing. And to me right now, it's the wide receivers. Um, I really think I really think that they are uh, – oh, uh, Lee Hobbs says, what, what about Westbrook Aquina? He's not out there right now. He uh, – I haven't seen – I haven't seen him really um, – well, <laughs> here's what I'll say. That would be – third field reporting and I am not supposed to report on the third field so you can take that for now I don't know how many of you some of you are new some of you have been around the show for a while uh so maybe many of you many of you will understand the reference to the third field but what I will say to you of that is that there are things on the third field that I am not permitted to report on and so in the interest of respecting Mike Vrabel and his wishes that the media not report on the third field, I will uh, I will decline to comment on that particular player and that particular situation. Speaking of Mike Vrabel, perhaps I'll ask him about the third field tomorrow because I told you guys at the start of the show, Mike Vrabel's going to be on my radio show at 1130. Uh, it'll be the first time. <laughs> be the first time for him. Uh, well, it's not the first time that me and him have had a one-on-one -on -one conversation in, in like an interview setting, but I think it's been since his first year here, so and certainly the first time on the radio show. So God help him. We'll uh, we'll see if I can't make some third field jokes at Vrabel's expense, and if you know he doesn't, if he doesn't swing, if he doesn't swing swing at me through the Zoom uh, when he hops on the uh, hops on the radio show. Brian Bowman says, "Don't get Vrabel yelling at you again." What I will say to you is, uh, what I will say to you is, the third field questions will be addressed when Mike Vrabel joins the radio show. Uh, tomorrow at 11.30 Central Time. And if you can't listen to it live, you can check out the podcast. It's the Buck Rising Show on your favorite podcast app. That'll be a good time had by all. <laughs> uh, let's see. Juicebox says 678. Buck, uh, Juicebox says, not 678, it's Juicebox 678. Buck equals third field general. This is true. How the hell did you swing that, Buck, says Brad? Well, I mean, listen. Uh, what, having Vrabel on the radio show? Um, you know, I asked, I, you know, I might, it's, it's, and listen, and he doesn't do a lot of radio interviews. So I guess, I guess I kind of, uh, I, I guess I kind of get where you're coming from, Brad, because, um, because, you know, he does, he doesn't do these things. I don't, and I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if Mike doesn't like doing one-on-one -on -one interviews, but he doesn't do them. So I'm happy that he is uh, that he is willing to be on the radio show, and I think you know, because um, I'm not I'm not looking. I, I've got a good enough relationship with him and with the uh, and with the team that I think they trust me. Maybe they shouldn't trust me, but I think they trust me to not, um, you know, to not waste his time. To be honest with you, because they're they're giving him to me before the the rest of the collective media. Uh, speaks to him for the last time for six weeks. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. I really do. And, and I think that's, that's, uh, that is, that is something that, uh, how much you paying him says Vernon Stafford or Sanford, um, not a dime. And listen, Mike Vrabel doesn't need, doesn't need my money. Uh, your boys living, your boys living right as of late with, uh, with the, uh, with the new gig, but um, Mike Vrabel doesn't need Buck Rising money. Mike Vrabel has Mike Vrabel money. And that's, uh, that at this point, maybe, maybe not forever, but at right now, uh, Mike Vrabel money greater than <laughs> Buck Rising money at this point. Uh, am I gonna, <laughs> a lot of people, Karen asking me and Justin asking me if I'm going to ask him about cutting off his dick for a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> no, that's been done before, but, uh, you know, I'll see if I can't make some jokes at Taylor and Will's expense. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Um, the question is, how did Vrabel get the honor of being on Buck's radio show, says Tom. See, thank you, Tommy. That is the question that we should all be asking ourselves. How did Mike Vrabel get so lucky 
as to appear on my radio show tomorrow. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, J Rob and Vrabel like you though, Buck sister. I mean, I, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I, I really hope you have your questions laid out says Brian. If you don't, if not, it will be hilarious. Um, you know, I'm different and I, I, you know, the show's going long tonight. So if you guys want to talk about some inside baseball stuff, uh, uh, if, if you, uh, if you want to talk some inside baseball stuff, we can do that. Um, Instead of instead of moving on to the defense, or we can move on to the defense, and and we can you know I don't I don't have to give you the the insights of how I prepare for interviews when I do them on the podcast on the radio show. But if you if you guys want to talk about this, uh, just let me know in the comments section, and and we'll keep the conversation going in that regard. Otherwise, I'll move on to the defense, and we can uh, we can talk more about football on the field as opposed to football off the field. But uh, just give me a shout. Let me know here in the. Uh, here in the uh, uh, in the comments, okay. So I get Josh Donovan saying defense. Puka says do defense another night. Durka wants defense. Move to defense. Stick with Titans, please. Defense, defense, defense. Okay, let's do defense. There's a let's bookmark that combo for another night. I think that's I think that's completely fair. Um, so let's talk about the defense. And if you uh, if you have interest in uh, in media inside baseball stuff, we will do that another night. Let us discuss. The Titans defense, because of course we spoke with Shane Bowen today as well. So in the same vein as asking you what the best position group on the offense is right now, let's flip the script. What is the best position group for the Titans defense? Because I think this is a much more complicated question, even if it seems simple in theory. What is the best unit on the Titans defense right now? Let me know in the comment section on Facebook Live, on Periscope, on YouTube, and on Twitch. We will discuss at length together. You will hear from Shane Bowen momentarily while you guys weigh in with your uh, with your answers. I will tell you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com, your dream address without the stress. Don't sell without the intel. That is what the Ashton team tells you. You want to take advantage of the seller's market. If you're if, for real, if you're in the market to sell your home, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if Zach Bingham would allow me to disclose this, but we were having a conversation at practice today, and uh, and Zach Zach's in the process of of sell, <clears throat> excuse me, of selling his parents' house, and he said, you know, pre COVID, if I if I'd have done it pre COVID, I would it would have been like 150k less that he would have been able to sell sell the house for the 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 real estate market in Nashville right now is batshit crazy. <laughs> so before you get prepared to sell your home. Make sure that you are informed before you do that. You know who gets you informed? It's this man right here. It's Gary Ashton and the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage at GaryAshton.com. I just caught up with Gary on the phone the other day. Uh, business is booming for the Ashton team. They want to get you involved. They want to make sure you maximize your real estate investment. Gary Ashton and the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage at GaryAshton.com. So what is the most uh, what is the best position group for the Titans defense right now? Because th there's a lot of different parts at this point. Um, I have high hopes for the defenses. Brian, uh, Brad is telling me to ask Vrabel something hard to make him sweat. I don't think, I don't think anything that I ask Mike tomorrow on the radio is going to make him sweat. I think Mike Vrabel's been a lot more strenuous situations than a local radio interview, Brad. I wouldn't get too bent out of shape about that. Uh, Brian Bowman says, secondary Clayton Smith is rolling with the D-line. Mr. Aurelio on Twitter, rocking with the DB. So is Jerry Adams on YouTube. C-Dub says linebackers, Anthony Lester as well. So for, for C-Dub and Anthony and, and anybody who would answer linebackers, are you saying outside linebackers? Are you saying inside linebackers? Are you saying, are you lumping them in collectively? Because I, I, I think you should probably specify because there's very different conversations to be had between those two groups. So Maybe give me a little more context on that, and I'll be able to give you a better answer. Excuse me while I take a drink. I don't know. My, my throat is super dry tonight. Sorry about all this. Normally, I don't like to uh, to drink in the middle of the show, but we've had a good conversation. The show's gone, gone really long tonight. I like I like where we're at with this. Um, Tig says, how funny uh, that it is probably corner. So, you know, I, there's, there's, a, there's a good conversation to be had um, about this Titans defense right now and, and the depth of the positions because we really, we really don't have, uh, 
we really don't have we really don't have a good idea of what they're going to look like, right? Collectively, we know a lot of these guys, their body of work, right? You know who Janoris Jenkins, Jack Rabbit Jenkins is. You know who Danico Autry is. You know whenever he gets out there who Bud Dupree is. Um, Caleb Farley, Elijah Molden. You know, you look at uh, you look at Rashad Weaver. You you have familiarity, of course, with Simmons and Byard and uh, and Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown. Jalen Brown not practicing again for a second straight day. He has not been involved in minicamp to this point. So nothing to get bent out of shape about. He's he's around. He's just not physically out on the field right now. Also working. It's not worth the risk at this point. Better better to save him up for training camp, let him get right. But, uh, you know, there's there's so many different parts. There's so many different parts that I, I legitimately had to think about this question. Um, but... You know, interior D line for sure, says Sterling Scrugg. So, so let's let's talk about that, right? Let's so let's look at the defensive line. You know, you have Simmons. You know, you have Autry. You know that those guys are going to be creating pressure from the inside. Behind them is Tier Tart, who flashed really a really good promise as a undrafted rookie free agent last year. You know, got suspended for a game because he stepped on a Cleveland Browns offensive lineman like a jerk, and he shouldn't have done that. But he he does demonstrate an ability to create pressure and to plug up those gaps on the inside. So like Tier Tart, um, Laurel Murchison is a fifth round pick. I, I, I didn't see much from him last year. He doesn't look much physically different than he did from his rookie season, but perhaps a legitimate offseason will allow him to to develop and grow and, and put healthy weight on. Um, and, and improve his strength. And, and I don't think his conditioning was necessarily a problem, but just kind of become a more well-rounded player in a way that, that we may be able to see more of an impact. So, so defensive line right now, you, you wouldn't like Tier Tart as your two, but you like Tier Tart as your three potentially. And, and there may be some of these guys who, who have bounced around. And, uh, I, I wish I had my, I wish I brought my roster upstairs with me into the office. Cause I could go through some names that, that have kind of popped on uh on like Naquan Jones who's an undrafted rookie free agent but I don't I don't think not don't call him Daquan Naquan Jones number 69 nice on defense um but right now you know they, they don't play a lot of down defensive linemen either so you probably feel you probably feel okay about your defensive line depth uh elsewhere let's see glad Bowen is using Schwartz as a sounding board says Karen O'Keefe yeah they continue to talk uh, Avery Jones from from the uh, from the Jacksonville Jags has has been a productive player over the course of his career. Certainly, I, I think that he may factor into this. You've you've got you've got better depth at this point um, than I think people might imagine. Now, maybe you're not familiar with all the names, but these are guys who have been around been around the league. Uh, Avery Jones and and Trayvon Coley, uh, who are both out there, who are both working, and and I think who are both going to make a push. For that, I guess it would pro- they probably won't keep more than four defensive linemen. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. They probably won't keep more than four defensive tackles because that's what basically the Titans' defensive linemen are. They play on the interior. You got edge players. Rashad Weaver can play, and he can play. I mean, he's played inside at the Senior Bowl, um, and he pl- and he works with the outside linebackers. So you you have some versatility there. But at this point, you know, you're looking at a lot of tackles on the interior. And and I wouldn't imagine they would keep more than four down defensive linemen on the 53-man roster. But we're still a ways away from that. And we'll see who ends up kind of rising to the top um, at this point. Now, where I might go, where I might go is is honestly, I I I have trouble. I have trouble rationalizing this to myself, which is ridiculous. But damn it, the more that I watch Jackrabbit, the more that I fall in love with him as a player. I don't know anything about Caleb Farley at this point. We haven't seen him. It will be a very long time before we see him. Elijah Molden is still doing very, very limited work at this point. And, you know, I'm I'm familiar with Breon Borders. I'm familiar with Chris Jackson. Those aren't starters. But maybe they're depth pieces at this point. I'll be honest with you. It, it's I shouldn't I shouldn't say I shouldn't say secondary. 
But I really think I like the Titans secondary right now. And I don't know if I would have thought that even a week ago. Yeah, Shane, I know it's a, a small sample size, but Morris Jenkins really seems to fly around out there, really seems to enjoy himself. What what kind of impact can that have on, on some of the younger guys that you have in, in your uh, secondary at this point? Yeah, man, I think it's huge getting him in here. Um, he's a pro. Like, he hasn't been here. He can't, he's come in this week, and he's been prepared. He's went out there and hasn't missed a beat. Obviously, there's little things here and there. He's still catching up. Um but you feel his presence out there. You feel his presence in the room um, along with Kevin. Um, you feel his presence in the unit, talking to other positions. I mean, he's a guy that's been around, has had success at a high level, um, has been on good teams, good defenses. And I think just his uh, outgoing personality, who he is, is going to help us in being able to hold each other accountable um, and just the player-to-player demands um, where everything's not always falling on, on the coaches, um, where those guys respond to their each other a little bit more so than just us all the time. So that was my question to Shane Bowen after minicamp wrapped up today. I mean, he just, he just, he pops out there, man. He is he, nobody. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I don't know this to be a fact. But from my perspective, just watching practice across the board, all the positions, all the seven-on-sevens, all the 11-on-11s, nobody looks like they're having more fun than damn Jackrabbit Jenkins. Like, this man is out there. He's flying around. He's not hitting because they're not in full pads, but damn near. Like, he is he is coming up screaming on wide receivers when they're working in these seven-on-sevens. Donovan says, no, you are right to say it, Buck, between the acquisitions and draft picks, seven. 7v7 is going to be lit, man. It's lit right now. I uh, we, can't, we can't film it, which is unfortunate because I wish you guys could. And during training camp, we'll be able to, we'll be able to show you guys more. It's just the time of the time of the offseason at this point that we're only allowed to film certain parts of practice. But uh, my God, I I can't I can't look away from him in a way that I don't think I've said about a corner before. I don't know. There's just some, there's something about what he brings to the defense and what he kind of, you know, the, the way that he works with the rest of them. It's Malcolm Butler-esque in terms of, you know, what what did, what did Vrabel used to call him Butler? Used to call him the street rat, right? Street rat mentality. Uh, you know, come up and Jack Rabbit will tell you, you know, he's from the muck. He's from South Florida. South Florida is where Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins is from. And this man... This man brings the heat. He's 32 years old. And I, you know, I think there were valid questions to be had about, about you know, a player at that age and coming in and, and needing to start with a, a lot of new pieces around him. But I'll tell you, I, I don't feel, I mean, I've watched enough of him on film, on Game Pass from from two years in New Orleans. His last stop to say, I I feel really good about Janoris Jenkins provided, you know, as always, provided these guys stay healthy. With Christian Fulton, I he's been he's been out for about this would be his third consecutive practice. Um, again, not practice, an OTA and both mini camp days that Fulton wasn't out there. Um, but I provided health. I really like the Titan secondary right now, which is crazy, crazy. Uh, <laughs> that we would be saying this after they just straight up nuked nuked their secondary to get things going uh lit talk on youtube says will farley be ready to week one i have zero idea i i wish i had an answer for you for that there's just no indication that he's anywhere close to anything and they don't give us timetables so i i can't i can't give you an accurate assessment on that i have zero idea when caleb farley's going to be ready um how is the chirping between the dbs and the wide receivers says donovan you know it's been i mean they're henry it, it's friendly uh, like it, it's not, it's not aggressive. It's not tense. Um, and it shouldn't be really until training camp. Now training camp, we'll see, you know, how much these guys have been wearing on each other. Um, but right now, right now it's good energy out there on the practice field. And, and that's the last time that we'll see them. Uh, th- this may be the lot. This, I don't think it's the longest show we've ever done. Cause a lot of the post game shows are longer when we do them during the season. There's a lot of stuff to get to tonight, guys, and I think we had a really good conversation. So we're going to wrap the show up for tonight. There will be one more primetime show 
um, tomorrow at 8 p.m., and I'll, I'll get going a, a little earlier so that we have more time to spend together. What I would say to you is, uh, make again, I, I know I've plugged it uh, a couple times tonight, but you're really, I really think you're going to enjoy, I really think you're going to enjoy uh, Mike Vrabel on the radio show tomorrow. It's, it's, uh, it's not something that he normally does. Um, it's not something that he normally does. In fact, I don't, I don't think Mike has done a radio show since midday 180, like after the tornado, if I remember correctly. So that's over a calendar year ago since Mike Vrabel has been on on a on a radio or at least a local radio show. I mean, I'm sure Mike done, Mike's done other stuff. So don't miss out. 11:30 tomorrow. If you're not subscribed to the radio show's podcast, if you can't listen live, it's the Buck Rising Show. Your favorite podcast app. He'll be on at eleven thirty Central Time. Oh, by the way, we'll be out. I'll be out. If you guys want to come hang out um, during your lunch hour, I am at. Where am I at tomorrow? Because they're sending me out of the studio to do this. I'm going to be at uh, Care Supply out in. Uh, let me let me see if I got an address on this Care Supply. So Care Supply Co. in South Nashville. Um, if you want to come hang out, I'll be there from 10 to one. We're, we're going to be providing lunch. Uh, so if you want to come out, hang out, get some, uh, get some free food on your lunch break, you are more than welcome to do so. I would, uh, I would be uh, very happy to see, uh, as many of you, as many of you as, uh, as care to join us. And if not, you know, just, uh, just go listen, please go out sometime on Fridays says Puka. You know what Puka? I, here's the thing. I'm doing radio tomorrow. I'm doing primetime tomorrow. And then I am taking what one I'm taking Friday off Monday and Tuesday off. And I'm going to start my summer vacation a little bit, working some, some days off because there's less football for me to cover. In fact, there's no football for me to cover after tomorrow concludes. And what I'll tell you is I will be tired then because I will have time to be tired. But in the meantime, I will tell you right now that there is so much more content to be produced. I got a full day yet to do it, and we will do it with great effort. And we will do it with great energy because you know damn sure I'm not tired yet. No! No!